Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our proud and generous sponsor, Patrick O'Neill. This is show number 127, released on July 29th, 2015. I'm Steve Eunice, and I'm joined by my good friend, Scotty V. Hey, Scotty. Hey, Steve. What's happening? What's happening, everyone else? Uh, it's been a, a, a good long July since uh, we've uh, had our chat in the last uh, previous podcast. So there's been, what, four, five, probably five weeks since our previous podcast. We've been complaining the last couple of months that they seemed really short. Uh, amount of time that had passed since we recorded uh, a previous one, but this time around we've had a number of weeks go past, and uh, here we are at the end of July already. Yeah, we ended early in June, and we uh, have a late month here in July, so it ends up um, giving us a little more time, and I guess a little more news, so that's good. Yeah. How's uh, winter going? Oh, uh, it's not too bad. I mean, we've had some mild days and some cooler days, but uh, all in all, I'm looking forward to things heating up uh, eventually. Um, September is spring here, so uh, let's see, July, August, uh, still a couple of months. <laughs> well, July's over, so one month. That's true. And what about you? So, How's your summer been? Uh, nice. Um, you know, a lot of times we have really humid summers uh, where I live, and it's been humid a few times, but for the most part, I'd say our average has been in the 70s, which uh, for us uh, is a lot cooler than mm -hmm. what it normally is. And I like it a little cooler. I could go all year with it being 65, 70, and I'd, I'd be a happy man. But okay. uh, it hasn't been too hot. We've had a couple of heat waves. Uh, today it was really humid, but uh, it goes back and forth. So we have a few days of it being pretty hot, but then we have a, a nice week or more generally of it being pretty cool. And that's unusual, and I like that. Fair enough. Now, uh, on the uh, Superman front of things, we've got a number of topics that we need to get through. And as always, we start with movie news. Now, it's been a very eventful July. Um, Comic-Con is obviously the big event that happens in San Diego every July. And uh, as we were alluding to last month, this Comic-Con was going to be a big one for Superman fans with uh, Zack Snyder and the cast of Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice heading to San Diego for the Comic-Con and we got to see an extended trailer, a Comic-Con trailer released uh, that ran for three and a half minutes. Uh, you and I have both done our own video commentary on what we thought of the trailer um, and our reactions to that. Uh, now that we've watched it a number of more times and a, you know, a bit of time has passed and a theatrical version has also been released of the same trailer but condensed to a two and a half minute version. Uh, what's your feelings on it now, looking back? Well, I'm very happy, even though the Comic-Con people might feel a little bit slighted, um, that, that there wasn't an exclusive Comic-Con-only trailer that was mm. released. That was the rumor initially, and that seems to be what they normally do. But it's nice that within minutes we were able to watch it. That was probably the most exciting thing for me because I knew there was going to be a trailer. I mean, we were pretty sure there was going to be a trailer, and uh, I was kind of concerned about whether I should read descriptions of the trailer you know because people put in what scenes happen and how it goes and but i didn't have to worry too long because we pretty quickly got to see it right online which mm. is unusual and i guess might be becoming the norm for most things but uh but even a f only a few months ago when they released the first uh trailer they had a special one that was only for imax or whatever where there was a couple extra and i don't think that that's been released even now mm -hmm. so I think it's neat that we got to see it right away. I mean, 
Uh, it's an exciting trailer. It's definitely uh, a bit more on the downer side, which seems to be DC's penchant for what they're doing with the films. You know, when you compare it to Marvel, which they all seem to be kind of comical and really light and really kind of uh, bright, even when it's about, say, uh, a thief uh, like Ant-Man. Ant-Man. Uh, but it's uh, so when you're with DC, I guess that's the way they've decided to go to kind of stand out and make their things different than Marvel. But it's very, it's not particularly uplifting. I mean, hopefully, parts of the movie or by the end of the movie, it will seem more uplifting. But it's very, it's a very negative interpretation of both of these heroes. And the whole idea of the versus thing is negative to begin with, you know, uh, and everyone's angry and the politicians are angry. And so it's, uh, it's definitely not saving cats from trees stuff. It seems uh, very much, much darker and, and much more of a thinking man's kind of superhero movie is what it seems like to me. Yeah. It does seem darker in tone than what you've uh, seen in recent years of superhero films. I did watch Ant-Man and thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, not being a character that I'm familiar with, I didn't go in with any preconceived ideas, and I guess that's what these lesser-known heroes and characters have going for them, is that you know people go in to see a superhero movie not really knowing anything about who they are or where you know whether they even existed. Um, but um, you know, Batman v Superman is obviously going to be a different type of film, more serious in tone. Uh, more serious in in its flavour, but um, I was impressed with the trailer. I liked the way it was portrayed. I'm hearing things and seeing things that are exciting me and and getting me, uh, you know, looking forward to the film. Uh, I had, as you did, my uh, concerns and worries about Batman and Superman being in at this type of film and the, the whole setup. But the more I hear about it, the more I'm being won over. So yeah, I was I liked the trailer. Um, the you know there's a lot in there to kind of sink your teeth into a lot to uh, a lot of questions that it raises and more answer than it answers and uh, so all in all I think it's it, it does its job really well in that it sells the action it sells the characters you know there's obviously a lot more behind it that we don't understand and we don't know about so it doesn't really give away too much of you know where things are going or how it might pan out so all in all I think uh, it was it was a really good trailer. Um, I'm glad that it got released online, you know, that we don't have to wade through, you know, trying to find out where this, you know, cell phone video is or, you know, all that kind of rubbish that you, you tend to go through. And, and the Comic-Con people who did actually go and attend, um, while a very, 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 very small minority of the larger audience that this movie will be aimed at, um, shouldn't really feel slighted because they did get to see the whole cast there in person Q&As, autograph sessions, all the swag they got, all that kind of stuff that you do get by attending Comic-Con was still exclusive to them. Uh, we couldn't be part of that experience. Uh, but the, the trailer itself um, being released worldwide, you know, online, as well as being at Comic-Con, I think was a smart thing from Warner Brothers. Because in this day and age, it's just impossible to keep anything under covers just for people who attend a particular event because we're so connected now. Well, it's also real cool because um, it seems like it's almost a response to the idea that nothing is safe anymore, that, mm. that it almost seems like any time they make an announcement that they're going to do something special or that on this date there's going to be a release that you're going to get to see something, it seems like it comes out before then. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the We're going to talk about the Supergirl uh, panel later and, and stuff like that. and. You know, there was a big deal about showing the screening and having the preview night and everything, but 
actually everybody who would have been interested in seeing that has probably already seen it. So that was kind of ruined. The whole idea that, you know, maybe maybe we officially want to put out HD versions of these things before all these cell phone leaks and before all these other people leak them and before pilot all entire pilots get out and people get to see things that we didn't really want them seeing. So it's almost as if in the age that we're in, that seems to be the only way to combat the idea that other people are going to do it if we don't. So mm. uh, we're going to go ahead and do it. The The other interesting thing that I thought we got that that was heartening to me is that everyone's been talking about how this isn't a sequel, how this movie really isn't about Superman, how it's really about introducing Batman and how really it's setting up Justice League. And Superman's kind of in it, but he's really just there as a plot point, this kind of thing. It's clearly a sequel. I mean, it's not Man of Steel 2, but it's clearly you're seeing scenes from Man of Steel. You're seeing shots from another angle that happened in Man of Steel. You're seeing the story continue with Man of Steel. You're seeing the government having a panel because of what happened in Man of Steel. You're seeing Zod's body play a big part in it, whether it's Doomsday or whatever it is, all these rumors going around. But whatever they do with it, it's a part of it. It's a big part of it if it's not a direct sequel to man of steel it's obviously a sequel to the universe and we've talked about that before so we knew that but i think it seems very much connected to man of steel in a huge way as opposed to ant-man being connected to the overall marvel universe but definitely not a sequel to anything this is not man of steel 2 but it is a very much a continuation of that story while at the same time introducing other characters and adding things in yeah, definitely. I mean, I guess we're playing semantics, whether you call it a sequel. It's not a Superman sequel, but it's definitely a sequel to Man of Steel in that it's a follow-on to that film, as you say. So, um, you know, I guess people are saying it's not a Superman sequel in that it's not a Superman Man of Steel 2, as you say, but it is definitely a follow-on from that film. And I'm really glad that Man of Steel is setting up this wider universe of the DC properties and that will go from Man of Steel to Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, and from that to the Justice League movies. So uh, all in all, exciting times to be a Superman or superhero fan of any type. So, um, and at Comic-Con, as I mentioned, they obviously got that autograph signing, so the, the cast went over to the DC Entertainment booth for a surprise signing or, um, or surprise to some people, I guess. Uh, there was the panel that they were attended where the, comic, where the, the trailer had been shown at Comic-Con, uh, many displays there, you know, we've got Lego displays, we've got the cars that were on display um, and, you know, the, uh, the, the costumes on display and statues of all kinds and action figures and toys of all manner coming out for Batman v Superman, some of them exclusive to Comic-Con available there. Um, so it would have been a very exciting time to have been at Comic-Con San Diego. I have to give out a huge thanks to James, uh, Lewis James, who was attending uh, for the Superman homepage as a reporter and was live tweeting for us and giving us all the, the ups and downs of what was happening and you know slept overnight outside in the line to get into Hall H for that man, a Batman v Superman panel uh, with a, along with a lot of other people and um, was you know help us feel like we were there and part of it and uh, and thanks to you Scotty for uh, jumping on quickly and posting the video online. Uh, when it was like the very wee early hours of the morning here in Australia when it did get released. Yeah, I felt that was pretty important and that people would want to see yeah, that as sure. quickly as possible. So uh, uh, no thanks necessary. I I, uh, I was interested myself to see it on the page. I felt proud to have it there. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, see, seeing Comic-Con and seeing how uh, 
Lewis had to wait in line and, and also reading about it after all these years. I've always thought I'd want to go there when something big like this was happening, mm. when it was a Superman related thing, when it was Man of Steel or when it was this or when it was the next movie. I, but on the other hand, I also got to thinking the fact that I'm not there. Do I really want to go at two thirty in the morning or whatever time it is and wait there for hours and still maybe not get in uh, as the hall gets filled and then be disappointed walking away that I'm not even getting to see what it is or even the fact that I get in there. Do I really want to be in a crowd of a million people barely seeing the screens, barely being able to hear it and not really being sure what's going on and how great would it really be? I mean, I still want to go, you know, maybe if, you know, Superman homepage press passes can get us into the front row and we could really get, you know, VIP treatment. Maybe it would be great. But as far as waiting in the line all night long and for any panel you want to go to, the mm. things that people have to do, it's just very, uh, very kind of not particularly comfortable experience. And, you know, then you get to the panel and you're exhausted because you've been up all night. And I guess you get a surge of energy because you're excited to see what's coming and you can't believe you're there and you're seeing all the cast members and it's great. But, uh, I don't know, you know, I'm, it's yeah, kind no, of a no, bittersweet sort of a thing. Um, and as far as all the toys and panel, all this stuff is great. Uh, what I'm noticing, and I, I've always noticed this and it's always, it's always kind of bothered me that because Batman is this cool character who's in the dark and has these cool dark costumes and armor and vehicles and machinery and all kinds of different things they can sell and market to kids that they can wear and use and throw at people. And uh, Superman doesn't usually get that kind of a treatment. And I'm noticing that with all of these pictures that there are, uh, it seems, an, a huge overload of Batman statues, costumes, mm, action it. figures where there's one Superman, you know, the the three main statues for the movie are Batman in his regular suit, Batman in his armor suit, and Superman flying with a pole up his back like I have from <laughs> Man of Steel already. Uh, where we could have a Clark Kent figure, we could have a Clark and Lois figure, we could have a Superman with Lois figure, we could have different, you know, just like Batman has his different things. Yeah, Superman doesn't have a vehicle, but how about a Clark Kent one? Uh, how about uh, Lex Luthor? You know, I've noticed over the years there aren't a whole lot of Superman villain statues either, whereas mm. with Batman you get, because he has this great rogues of a gallery, you get all the Joker ones, you get all the uh, Clayface ones, you get all the Penguin ones, you get all the Riddler ones. There are very few Lex Luthor ones. There are very few Brainiac things, very few Dark Side, very few uh, Metallo. As far as collecting to put on a shelf, there are some action figures, mm. mostly related to the animated series, mm -hmm. and just not a lot of stuff for Superman. I, I, you know, it seems like uh, we're getting that again now with Batman v Superman. Yeah, I understand that, and. Um... They do seem to like the the ones that we do get of Superman. You know, there's one like there would be with a heat vision, or you know, where his eyes glow, or and there's this weird one that I saw at uh, Comic Con where his chest is also glowing when he's heat vision. I don't all these lines in his chest was a bit bit strange, and that for some reason there's one where Superman's got a shield that he's holding. Um, the uh, variations for Superman figures do seem to be very thin on the ground and uh so yeah seeing some of the more you know like a clark kent or i guess for for kids they don't want to play with a mild mannered reporter figure they want to play with the superhero figure so but well as, if you're telling the story i mean yeah. you can have him 
Yeah, I know. He's change. Trying. You know, he sees the thing happen. He runs. He changes into super. Yep. And then you switch figures out. You know. But know. Uh, and a lot of these days, the toys and action figures aren't actually for kids anymore. They're more collectibles for adults to store on their shelves or put in display cabinets or what have you. But um, yeah, I understand where you're coming from with the Batman side of things. But um, looking at Comic Con and the experience and everything, I was very I guess surprised a little bit, and I spoke about this a bit on Radio KL Live uh, last week about Jesse Eisenberg's reaction to Comic Con and uh, <laughs> his uh, well comparison between being a Comic Con and, and the, the the terrifying experience he had, um, and comparing that to genocide. Yeah, look, we're probably one of the last people to speak about this. Obviously, a giant uproar was made about it. Everybody was upset and everybody was up in arms. I wasn't so much upset. I don't feel like it was an upsetting remark. I don't feel like he meant it in that manner. Just a poor choice of words. Yeah, I just feel like it was a dumb thing to say. And not only dumb because it was um, a poor choice of words, but also dumb because... at, at Comic-Con and in these situations when you're involved with a superhero that's famous and has lots of fans that love it, they end up loving you and loving the fact that you're there and, and being interested in seeing you. And yes, they're shouting your name or they're shouting the movie or they want to talk to you. So on that hand, I can see where it might be terrifying. But on the other hand, it should be very exciting. You should be very happy that everybody's so excited about it. And I get that he feels a little differently and I and we've heard him kind of say that he never had any intention. A lot of actors say this kind of thing. Never had any intention of ever being in one of these dumb superhero movies and that kind of thing. But they won me over, or I read the script, or it seemed great once I finally saw it, or whatever. And now, you know, because you've decided that it's important now because you like the script, you're still going to put us through how horrible it is to be a superstar and how horrible it is to be an actor who gets paid millions of dollars or how horrible it is to have fans or how horrible it is to be playing a great legendary character. You know, when you signed on to it after you said that you didn't want to be involved in a superhero movie, but then you were convinced, uh, along with the territory comes interviews and Comic-Con and and screaming fans. I mean, you know what it is. No, it's not catch me if you can, because no one cares about that. No, (laughs) it's not one of your little independent films because no one cares about that. You know, I've liked a lot of things he's done and he does a lot of good movies and he might be a great actor, but it's once you accept it and once you're doing it, you know what it means. And so you're not just agreeing to a great script because it seems like a great character to play. You're also agreeing to the world of it all. And Mm. with that comes going to Comic-Con and with that I mean not all the cast always goes so I guess he could have said no Mm. but maybe it was part of his contract I don't know but uh, and I can see how it could be terrifying to kind of be but he's not alone it's not like he's cornered with a thousand (laughs) people asking shouting his name he's up on a panel with stars bigger than him and he's looking down at at 5,000 people that are asking questions I mean and then most of the time you stay in your trailer unless you're uh, the guy from Harry Potter who dresses up like Spider-Man and goes walking around the Comic-Con <laughs> floor. You don't have to do that, and that's fun. They, to them, they enjoy it. I've heard them say, you know, it was so fun to kind of be in disguise and walk around and enjoy it. And, uh, but as far as terrifying and genocide, <laughs> uh, yes, poor choice of words and also just uh, kind of whiny and babyish. You're rich, successful 
actor getting to play an iconic character in a, in a legendary type of movie situation, and, and you're whining. It's, yeah. uh, it's I, not becoming. I think part of being an actor and being in Hollywood and all that kind of stuff would have to be a lot of media training as far as dealing with interviews because you have to do a whole series of interviews and press conferences and junkets and all those kinds of things for the promotions of a movie. They're not just, not just the acting that is involved, as you say. And so surely there is some media training for dealing with interviews and things like that. I mean, I know as a person who has been, you know, has written a, a book and, and done some things that I had some media training to be able to deal with some interviews and, and, and talk about my experience and, and, you know, and how to answer questions and all that kind of stuff. So there is, you know, it, it's available to them. And you, so you think from a person who's been in so many movies and, and he is a high profile person that he would have access to, you know, a bit of training on how to deal with questions when they're thrown at you, how to pause, how to repeat the question so it gives you a chance to think about your answer before you, you know, just blurt out the first thing that comes to your mind. And so in his um, situation, he seems to be a bit of a nervous character when it comes to interviews and he seems to, you know, stutter and, and, and stammer a bit and he isn't sure about what he's going to say and, and then sometimes blurts out the, uh, something that's inappropriate. So I guess that's probably what he's... Uh, only failings are there is that he really hasn't thought about what he wanted to to really say and didn't maybe come out in the way he intended it to to be said and uh, put out a few people by saying what he did. Well, you know, most of these actors have publicists, yeah. and handlers, and agents, and right. marketers, and a whole team that kind of prepares them and talks to them and tells them. Not that they're always there. And in this case, maybe he was emotional and maybe he was tired and maybe he was not as happy with the experience as some other actors might be. So he said what naturally came to his mind. And if he really feels that way, uh, that's the way he feels. Yeah. And you know, speaking your mind and saying what you feel when you're not a prepared individual, you know, you, you don't have it. You didn't have time to write up a speech and say, well, I thought Comic-Con was fantastic. I, you know, you might have an actual negative reaction mm. to something. Mm, yeah, if for you're sure. Reacting negatively to something in an honest way when someone asks you the question, sometimes people question the way you said it. But I don't think he was planning to offend anyone. No. I didn't get the impression that no, he meant to say he had experienced, you know, uh, being in an encampment, uh, being trapped by soldiers, but that's what he uh, compared it to. Mm. So it was a little off putting yeah. to people. And it does come across as complaining in a, in a situation where uh, he's one of the quote unquote elite. He's one of the, uh, you know, America is one of the few countries where, um, you know, celebrity is such a high status mm. and where people kind of worship celebrity. So you've gotten there, and in America, you're at you're you're at the, the top. Pinnacle, you're yeah. at the, the place, the pinnacle of rock stars and and Hollywood actors and people that are considered. Not that this is a correct statement, but better than everyone else. So, you know, you don't need to be negative all the time uh, and when things are going so great for you. But, uh, you know, sometimes, like I said, when you when things haven't gone maybe the way you wanted to and and maybe he really felt uncomfortable the whole time and he was just expressing that. But, uh, yeah. All right. And uh, as well as the trailer being released and everything that happened at Comic-Con, the official website was also updated uh, to reflect both... um, the release of the trailer and uh, everything else that's happened in recent times with the uh, IMAX poster images, um, the actual official plot description uh, for the movie, 
And um, so that's there for uh, batmanvsuperman.com, I think it is. And uh, you can uh, check that out. There isn't too much else there. There isn't a lot of uh, meaty material for you to sink your teeth into, but um, the update has happened, and so the website reflects uh, some of the recent events that have taken place. Also, while we're speaking of Comic-Con and we're speaking of the different treatment of Batman and Superman as far as action figure lines, that sort of thing, did you notice, or is it just me being overly sensitive, that... And maybe it's just that Henry Cavill's more of a quiet guy and, and kind of a lesser-known guy and, and Ben Affleck and, and Jeremy Irons and some of these other uh, over-the-top kind of character people who have this kind of mm. persona about them that, that, that the public all knows. And it's almost like in and of themselves they're a character, even though they're mm. themselves. Mm. But what I've noticed, it almost seems like Henry Cavill is kind of being pushed aside in favor of Ben Affleck in favor of uh, Jeremy Irons in favor of other people that are involved. You know, when I looked at the cast photo for 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 uh, uh, Batman versus Superman, Henry Cavill was way off to the bottom left. Most of his most of his lower half of his body was cut off. You got from mid chest up, and you got you got a whole shot of Affleck, a whole shot of Snyder, a whole shot of the other people, uh, or in the Suicide Squad. Uh, combination Batman v Superman cast photo that they did for whatever reason they did that. Uh, Henry Cavill, again, way off to the left, kind of uh, not really the focus of the picture at all, whereas Affleck was right in the middle and, and clearly seen for, you know, everybody. Uh, the announcement when they were coming out to, to when Aisha Taylor announced all the cast members, uh, Ben Affleck was the last one to be announced or whatever. Uh, do you... Is it because Ben Affleck's just the biggest star in the movie? Is it because... I think it's a combination of three things. I think, one, definitely, you know, Ben Affleck is the biggest star of the two between him and Cavill as far as longevity in Hollywood and, you know, what he's he's done. Uh, Two, I think it's that this is the first time Ben Affleck's been involved in this... Uh, you know, as Batman, we've already seen Cavill as Superman, so we know what to expect. He's he's played the role before, but for Ben Affleck, this is his first time, so he's new to the world. And thirdly, I think it's Henry Cavill himself. He's just an understated kind of, um, you know, not uh, you know show off. Uh, he's you know very, um, I guess just yeah, just he's not the kind of guy who seeks the limelight. He's uh, modest. He's, you know, as I said, understated. He doesn't really go out of his way to be, you know, um, uh, you know, putting his hand up, say, "Hey, look at me, I'm over here," kind of thing. I think he's very modest, and uh, and you know, and I, I think that kind of endears him to a lot of a lot of people because he seems to be so grounded and and down to earth. I don't I just don't think he's the kind of guy to uh, seek the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with you on that. I don't, I don't. I didn't get the impression that Ben Affleck himself was taking over or no. like stepping in front of anyone or saying, hey, look at me. But I, I, it did seem like and it does seem like Zack Snyder and everybody is kind of uh, maybe they themselves are starstruck and, 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 and uh, surprised that Ben Affleck would want to be a part of the film or whatever. But they seem very taken with him mm. um, and very uh, excited that he's going to be the first to speak. I mean, Cavill himself was asked a question or something and, and kind of said, I defer to you. Like he said a couple of things, yeah. but, but but not very much and kind of like pushed it off to Affleck. It's almost like from his point of view, I mean, Affleck may be like a, a mentor kind of a thing. You know, you've Maybe. done this before. You know, you've been in all these kinds of movies. You've been interviewed millions of times. No one really 
you know, people interviewed Cavill when it was when it came to Man of Steel, but in terms of anything else he's done, it hasn't really been high profile. So uh, Ben Affleck certainly has much more uh, experience in that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But in, in terms of the plot and in terms of the characters and in terms of the movies, it's debatable which character is more legendary, which character oh, yeah. is more famous, yeah. which character is more important. So I find it odd that the two stars of the movie, when both of their names are in the you know at the forefront. That uh, in the pictures and things for press, Cavill uh, seems to be kind of pushed off to the side, whereas everybody else, um, including the director, who is rarely shown in photos, uh, is is kind of taking center stage. It just seemed unusual to mm-hmm. me that those were the choices. You would almost think that those two would be in the center with the, the with the supporting cast to the sides and maybe Snyder in the back or off to the you know as opposed to. Um, uh, like Affleck and Snyder are the stars, and, mm. and 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 Henry Cavill and the other people are lesser and lesser important as you go. Yeah. That just that's what kind of struck me. Yeah, uh, I know what you're saying. Like I said, I think maybe because it's Affleck's first time in this in this role that uh, the focus seems to be a bit more on him. But uh, let's see how things pan out. I know that there's a new Empire magazine cover uh, with the two of them on the cover: um, Superman on the right, Batman on the left. And that comes out, uh, I think it's the September issue, uh, will be out shortly. Um, I think it comes out next month, I think that's the way it works. Uh, so we're going to get to see a lot more publicity and promotions for the Batman v Superman movie, and no doubt we'll be able to see how the uh, portrayal of each actor and each character is uh, displayed. Um, I have wanted to get an Empire Magazine subscription for so long. Mm. I think it goes back to like... <laughs> I don't know when the Star Wars movies were released, like uh, the the new trilogy right. uh, or something, and then when Star Trek came out, and when these superhero movies come out, and when I see all these great covers and great stories, and I go to the bookstore and I read them, and there's so many great pictures, and mm. and uh, it's a UK magazine, so I can't get a subscription here. Oh, really? Sure, surely yeah. you can. Uh, not by mail. I mean, I might oh, okay. be. I don't know if there's a digital thing, but I've gone on and tried to get it delivered, oh, wow. and it's uh, it's unavailable. So, and, uh, uh, I remember getting a gift uh, subscription for a year where, in 2013, which is a really good year for, uh, that my wife got me a subscription to Empire Magazine, and um, here in Australia, I got every month, which was a great year to get it because it was all the the I think there was about three covers for Man of Steel out of the 12 for that year, and um, yeah. a lot of great articles. So uh, definitely. Well worth checking out uh, empireonline.com. So um, uh, see if that's uh, something that can work out for you. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I've gone for the, as I said, by mail, but maybe I can do a digital type of thing. Mm. But I don't, I don't have an iPad or anything where I'd yeah. be able to. You know, they make an edition that's really easy to read on an iPad or something. But yeah, even with comics and stuff, I'm reading it on my my desktop computer. Okay. So it's not like I can read it in the outside or I'm be comfortable. Dead. Or I got to sit here at my desk and read it on a screen. And I got to dr- drag it with the mouse. And you can't really see the pictures all that well. And it's not even great to read because the... You know, you got to move the article every minute, and uh, I'd rather have the actual magazine. Yeah, yeah. But you know, whatever. Yeah, exactly. No, I understand you totally. Um, all right. Before we move on to other things in uh, in our discussions, there was a IMDb message board uh, that's actually been removed now, but it's, the, the text from it has still been available and posted elsewhere. It was a, a rumored possible detailed plot description outlining mm-hmm. in a very very lengthy article. All the you know what would be happening in Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, and 
in the position that I'm in, I did get to sit down and read it. I didn't at first. I thought, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I'm not going to waste my time on this. But then shortly after, the f official photos uh, had been released of Batman v Superman, the one in particular where Bruce Wayne and uh, Diana Prince are either dancing or flirting with each other at a particular high society kind of fundraising event, uh, we saw that photo released. And that scene is was described in this plot description that I read that uh, you know I glanced through the first time. So I reread uh, the the message board um, uh, article and actually really thoroughly enjoyed what I read there. And I was thinking, well, if this is the movie, this is fantastic because I really like the way they've touched on all these points. Um, it was then removed shortly after. I have saved the text myself uh, for my own on my own personal computer. And as I said, it's, it is on other. Uh, websites and, and message boards and things if you want to look around for it to read it. Um, I don't know if it's really where the movie's going. I don't know if it's the plot description. I don't know if this is exactly what it, what we'll be seeing in the cinema. Um, but uh, having read it, um, I wouldn't mind if it was true because it sounded really good and Superman is dealt with in a really positive way. I have not read it, you know, when it came out and uh, when I heard about it, my thinking was same as you probably not true or yeah. some of it will be have rumored that people had heard and it'll end up being somewhat true but a lot of it will be made up things yeah. and, uh, but then the other part of it was what if it is true do i really want to know mm. uh, before i see the movie exactly what i'm gonna see in terms of and i know they release a synopsis and the synopsis gets more and more detailed as we get closer and that sort of thing but do i really want to read specific scene descriptions and that sort of thing so I didn't read it, but but here's what I like about it based on what I've been hearing. People have been telling me, uh, similar to what you just said, that it's a very pro-Superman. It, it paints Superman in a very good light, uh, and not to the detriment of other characters. It may it does doesn't it doesn't seem as negative towards Superman as it seems like it might be based on trailers we've seen and based on Frank Miller's book and ba you know it seems more like. Um, the Zack Snyder that talked about Man of Steel and talked about how uh, it's a silly question to ask who would win between Batman and Superman. And it, it just makes, uh, it kind of allays the fears of Superman fans that he's going to be portrayed badly in the film. So that makes me very positive, uh, assuming that it's true. Yeah, so I, like, you know, like I said, I don't know if it's true or not, but uh, it is out there if anybody wants to try to read it. I don't know where you can find it. Um, it has been moved from its original uh, IMDb message board spot, um, and I don't know if that is confirming or denying, you know, that it is on the money or not. But um, make of it what you will. Now, moving on to just some other movie news, the documentary "The Death of Superman Lives: What Happened" is now available. Um, I know. I think Michael Bailey sat down and watched it. Mine's on order, and I'm waiting for the delivery to come here to Australia. Um, I do know that uh, John Schnepp uh, is coming out to Australia for a screening of the film. I've bought my tickets uh, for that uh, Q&A screening of the documentary, which I'm looking forward to. That's uh, in mid-August. Um, but uh, hopefully, uh, I know a lot of people have already got their blue, uh, DVDs or Blu-rays of the film and uh, or HD downloads and have uh, watched it. And uh, all the feedback seems to be very positive about the way this is put together and uh, the material that they were able to dig up and the interviews that they were able to get to, to talk about this uh, Superman Lives movie that never got made in the mid-90s. 
Um, looking forward to watching it. Uh, we've spoken about it at length in, in before. If you do want to uh, order it, you can go to the official website, which is tdoslwh.com. That's the first letter of every word. Uh, the Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? Uh, to order this uh, full-length documentary about the never-made Superman movie that would have starred Nicolas Cage as Superman. Yeah, it looks interesting. I haven't obviously haven't watched the movie yet. Uh, interested to uh, did uh, did Michael Bailey write a review or anything no, like that? No, not as yet. Um, uh, we I know that he was sitting down to watch. It. I only saw his uh, post on Facebook. I think saying sitting down to watch this. So I haven't even had spoken to him in person uh, about it. Uh, I'll try to get that uh, find out from him what he thought about it uh, when I speak to him next. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to talk about Supergirl. Uh, we've got uh, a lot to look forward to with this upcoming CBS Supergirl TV series. Uh, the pilot screening, as you mentioned, uh, took place at Comic-Con. Uh, there was a preview night on the Wednesday night, and then there was actually a screening, I think it was on the Friday. Uh, but they also had a panel with the cast and crew and a Q&A and all that kind of stuff. And from all reports, the, the buzz from Comic-Con was very positive about Supergirl. I know that uh, they've also since had a, a special screening uh, for mothers and daughters, which we'll talk about soon as well. But all in all, it seems to be that uh, everyone that I know of, that I've spoken to, is really looking forward to this Supergirl series. Uh, it seems to be getting a lot of positive buzz. I know that there's some negativity out there about it, and you know, there's always going to be. But all in all, I think majority of it is is quite positive. The the you know from what I've heard from Comic Con. This is a kind of lesson, I would say, to Jesse Eisenberg on how to <laughs> react when you're being, uh, when you're going to be big, a part of a big character's portrayal on screen. I mean, have you heard Melissa talking? Have oh, you heard, she's just uh, you know, the guy playing James Olsen? Have you heard these people talk about, uh, you know, uh, the, the the girl playing Alex Danvers? Talk about how great it is to be part of a show that. Uh, presents a strong feminine role model and how it's going to be cool to watch it with her daughters and and just like you know and like you said Melissa is just adorable and 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 very positive about it and really looking forward to it and super excited I mean Henry Cavill was the same way when he got cast as 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 Superman and and then you have Jesse Eisenberg come in and and, and it's very down you know I and mean, maybe he's method you know maybe he was in the down dark place <laughs> that you have to be to play Lex Luthor but, uh, you know, these people don't seem like they feel like they're in internment camps. They f seem to feel very happy to be surrounded by, you know, you mentioned the 400 mothers and daughters and uh, talking, you know, she talks to them directly and she's just showing a very uh, good side of a, a, a positive role model, as they all are saying, for, for, for girls and, and, and women. And uh, it's just a very positive uh, outshowing as opposed to uh, the yes I say the Jesse Eisenberg situation but everyone involved seems to be very excited and the and the show seems to be getting a, a lot of positive buzz and uh, you know there's a lot of great videos back uh, you know around from from Comic Con with different cast members being interviewed the executive producer being interviewed even uh, 
uh, Laura Vandervoort, who, who could appear. Uh, really? She supposedly has come out and said um, that uh, she's been, you know, it sounds like maybe she's been talking with people because yeah. she mentions that uh, it's it's looking very good, quote unquote, that she might appear on the show. And, and everybody's happy about it. You know, even a previous actress to have played the character. And then, of course, you have Helen Slater being in the movie. And there's just lots of her in the show being uh, lots of good stuff coming out. And it all seems very positive and, and very kind of. Uh, happy and, and and looking forward to and and uh, it's it's as opposed to other things it's it's very um, very nice to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It just seems like everybody's so positive and so uplifting about it, and um, so much looking forward to it. We've seen an official Supergirl poster released uh, with her in flight, you know, and, and it's very colourful. And um, we've seen, uh, as you said, Laura Vandervoort. Uh, being asked about it, and she's saying that you know it looks very likely that she'll be involved. It's looking good that she'll you know be a guest, make a guest appearance. Um, we're also hearing some other cast uh, members uh, joining the show. Uh, there is the it was uh, announced during the Supergirl panel at Comic Con that uh, the role of Maxwell Lord uh, has been cast, and Peter Facinelli, I think his name is pronounced from the Twilight Saga, is joining the cast in that reoccurring role. And uh, it'll be interesting to see a villain, well, a character slash villain of Maxwell Lord's type uh, entering the world of Supergirl. Yeah, I mean, I like it. And anytime, it was just like when we heard about uh, Winslow shot and and that Hank Henshaw were going to yeah. be on. I like that they are, uh, you know, going to the comic characters and and using them. Uh, while on the other hand, if if they're going to be portrayed in a completely different way than who they are and they're just using the names, then it just sound, seems like lip service and, and unnecessary. They could have just had new characters, but mm. we'll see how it goes in terms of using these characters. You know, when the guy who plays Win Win Shot, who Winslow Shot, who we all know becomes a toy man, has mentioned, and, and just like uh, the person playing Alex Danvers, who is Supergirl's foster sister, have both mentioned that there have been no hints so far in terms of them becoming evil or or because Alex's name has Lex in it and because she's so similar to the Lex character will she have any of those tendencies and uh, she says that it hasn't come out as of yet there doesn't seem to be any indication of that but thinks it would be fun either way uh, same thing with the Winslow Shot character he's just saying this is a very very different character from the one he's read up on in the comics to try and find out who he's been playing um, obviously from the previews we can see he's not villainous as of yet, and he uh, seems to be a very nice guy. So very, very different so far, and if we aren't going to get to it, it would be kind of unusual if they just used those names and characters but never went in any direction with them. Mm, you think that there would be some plan down long-term for them to have a character arc that would, um, especially in the way of Windshot and um, uh, the guy, uh, Henshaw. David Harewood playing Hank Henshaw, uh, that uh, those characters in particular would you know uh, have a turn to the dark side at some point? Uh, Hank Henshaw's already seems to be a bit of at odds with Supergirl and the role that's being portrayed for the Supergirl pilot. But even further down the track, whether or not they become the villains that we know from the comic books uh, is probably a, you know something that they may be aiming to long term. And let's hope that the Supergirl series lasts long enough for those characters to have that turn in their character that allows them. Uh, to to go the way of their comic book counterparts. Uh, another character that from the comic books that is coming in, as well as as we just mentioned, um, Maxwell Lord is Lucy Lane, the sister of Lois Lane, and that's uh, 
I mean, there's been precedent for that before. Obviously, uh, Lucy has um, history with James or Jimmy Olsen in the comic books, but also in the Supergirl movie, Lucy Lane was her roommate, and um, and and uh, Kara, or in the movie, was Linda Lee, um, was uh, you know very good friends with Lucy Lane. So it's not uncommon for Lucy and Supergirl to be in the same story together. Yeah, it's another neat kind of a thing. I mean, a lot of times the criticism that I hear about a character like Supergirl or Batgirl or Superboy uh, or, uh, you know, uh, Green Arrow sidekicks is that a lot of times they're just carbon copies of the character that they're named after, but they're in female form or they're in child form or whatever. In order to make more money for the company, they say, well, how else can we attract people? And and the idea being that creating a brand new female superhero might not be as easy and might not be as attractive to people. But if you create a female superhero who's pretty much the male version of the superhero, except a female, um, will attract more eyes, more readers, and might at the same time interest new people, such as young and older females, that will want to read about this character who might not have been as interested in the male version of Mm. the character. But that being said, I think that obviously we've had years and years of of character arcs for Supergirl. There have been differing... uh, origin stories and there and she's she's a different character even though she does have a similar moral compass and she does have the same powers and at its start initially she they they were created in order to increase readership and in order to capitalize on the popularity of the character that they were modeled after but at the same time they can also stand on their own as strong feminine role models and therefore it's not it's not such a bad thing that they happen to be based on the male version in the first place uh, because it's still doing – I think it's still doing a good thing, a positive thing in influencing uh, female lives, not only to have a good role model to look up to but also to get interested more in superheroes as mm. they grow up. And comic books and whatever else that, that genre. And I think it can be positive toward the character – that they were initially spawned off from, in this case, Superman, because maybe then uh, they want to read about how Superman is involved in Supergirl's life and what he's all about. And, and it just uh, I think it just expands readership and keeps all the characters going. And, and uh, it's not it can't obviously it started off as a money making thing for the for the company. But isn't that how every business idea starts, whether it's something that we love or something that makes only makes them money but doesn't do anything for us or whatever? It's still that's what that's the whole idea of trying to keep a business running is to come up with ideas that are going to make your business more money but at the same time this one happens to have the ability to influence and inspire and entertain uh, millions of people by by uh reading and now being on television there's been a movie it's you know it's she may not be everyone's first choice of a superhero they want to see a tv show about or read a book about but she's very popular in her own right so uh i'm I'm excited i I, i'm looking forward to it i'm I'm hoping it's it's great and i'm hoping it has longevity as you say and we get to see some of these storylines play out uh so it's uh, i think it's great you know and 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 uh what's what i find interesting too is i'd like to get your take on this does it seem like 
too many people already know her identity, like right off the gun. I mean, James Olsen knows. Does that mean that he also knows Clark Kent is Superman? Obviously, her sister knows. Uh, Winslow Schott knows. Which, what does that mean for coming, you know, down the track if he does become a supervillain? You know, uh, a lot of the thing that kind of happened on Smallville. A lot of the villains knew, and a lot of the friends knew. Well, there's just so many people knew his identity that it was like, you know, they can do that on this show because they never. They never intend to make him Superman, so we're never going to see the ramifications of the fact that every villain he ever met knew his identity before he even became Superman. Uh, the case here, of course, being that she's already Supergirl, so that's not so much a problem. But now we have the villains who aren't villains yet. What happens when they become villains and they all know her identity? It's just a very different kind of a look at Supergirl in that regard. Yeah, um, I understand we're thinking long-term how that might affect and, um, you know, we don't know whether or not we'll get to see the ramifications of someone like Winslow Shot, um, you know, becoming the Toy Man eventually down the track, maybe, um, wh and what that will mean for Supergirl, who, the fact that he knows who Kara is. But in the beginning of the pilot, she said, so only three people know this, and that's obviously Kyle, uh, Alex, her sister, played by Kyla Lee. Um, and her foster parents, uh, the Danvers. So they're the three people who know um, about her secret. Obviously, I'm, I would add Superman into that, although she doesn't in, say that at the time. Yeah, so from her point of view, there's three people that know. But um, obviously, as the pilot goes on, and you'll see this, and I'm not really giving away any spoilers, but we find out that um, the DEO, obviously Hank Henshaw, um, will find out and, you know, whether the people that are in the uh, vicinity around all those computers that the people are in there or not, no, I don't know. It does, it does seem problematic to an extent, but from her point of view, she's really only revealed it to Win Winshot, um, who obviously designs the costume for her. The other people that know in her life knew from when she was delivered to them as a little girl to live with. Um, so from her point of view, she's really only told one person, and that was... Uh, you know, what she considers her best friend. So, um, well, I didn't watch the pilot, but James knows too. Well, James because... knows, as we know from the end of the pilot, because Superman told him. Uh, and Superman gives him the, the, the cape or the, the cloth or whatever to, um, to give to her. And, um, and, you know, we feel like he's in on it, obviously. But, um, yeah, I understand where, where it could be a problem. And I, I wonder whether or not they'll play with that and, and whether or not the whole secret identity will be, and keeping that a secret, will be a factor in the ongoing saga of the, the first season. But um, I don't think it's really an issue that they need to focus on too much. Um, we can obviously suspend our disbelief to an extent, uh, but uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not that plays out uh, and becomes a problem uh, for her at any point in time. I also liked that uh, they mentioned at, at Comic-Con that uh, Superman, of course, dropped her off at the Danvers house or wherever that is mm -hmm. that he takes the, her at the beginning because he couldn't you know, manage his own life and be Superman and, and also raise a child. Uh, apparently they are saying he's like 25 when that happens. Mm. 
Uh, but but uh, the executive producer mentioned in that same line of thought that uh, he has they have several plans throughout the season and ongoing for Helen and Dean uh, as the Danvers is. <laughs> Uh, so that that was nice because we weren't sure, you know, were they going to be in a very small capacity and just a pilot or, or were they going to kind of show up? Uh, he mentions that uh, like on the Flash show with John Wesley Shipp, they're going to have that kind of a role to play. Mm, so that's, that's fantastic. Uh, that's interesting. You know, I want to see that go forward. Uh, I did find it odd, although, yes, he was younger, but. It's another thing where I know they want it to be her show and I know they won't, don't want Superman to be involved all that much because it's from her point of view. But dropping her off and kind of just wiping his hands seems a little unsuperman like <laughs> well i mean we don't know if he had to go off into space or something or whether he just felt that it would be more um conducive to her upbringing that she have a stable family unit to be you know uh like he did uh i guess that's from his point of view it's probably what he's looking at is from you know how did how did it affect him growing up and um, you know, being a, a, a reporter and being Superman, he just wouldn't be able to uh, bring up a, a little girl. And uh, so I understand um, that from his point of view. And I guess from the story point of view, it just makes sense that, you know, this we can't have Superman in it all the time because it's supposed to be a right. Supergirl story. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see if about that. they talk about how he came wife. to visit her mm. and he, you know, he still, like, he didn't just drop her off and yeah, never and see her. Even if we don't see him, it would be nice to see. Kara, uh, as they say uh, in the show, uh, Mentioning uh, talking about how he's still been an influence in her life or yeah. he's been there or she yeah. sees him a lot or, or that sort of thing. And speaking of Kara, even though I uh, myself talked about how I've always thought it was Kara and how it always bothers me when people say Kara, and I've heard it said that way before, uh, here's what I like. And as long as it continues that way, it'll continue to be a positive experience for me. It doesn't sound like we've got any Marlon Brandos in the cast. It doesn't sound like we've got anybody saying, well, listen, I'm going to say Kara. I don't care if everyone else is saying Kara. <laughs> I don't care if that's her name. I don't care if that's how it's pronounced. I don't care if it's been made clear to me that that's what it is. I'm going to say it the way I say it. It's from a comic book. It's written on the page. It doesn't tell me how to pronounce it here, and I think it would be Krypton. So I'm going to say Krypton, whether or not you guys tell me I should say Krypton, because I'm Marlon Brando. Um, it happens on Arrow a lot, too. There have been several characters that seem to have different pronunciations from themselves, from their daughter, from the heroes, from everybody on the street. Uh, and, and, you know, if it's the first time you're reading it, you might pronounce it one way. But once, you know... <laughs> a director. <laughs> Raish al Ghul on Arrow or Raz al Ghul should be pronounced the same way from Raz as it is from his daughter. At the very least, <laughs> they grew the up together family. and they know what their <laughs> name is. So you would think that they would pronounce their name the same way. So as much as I don't love the sound of Kara, I think it's not particularly pleasant sounding. If they're all going to say it that way, that'll be fine. <laughs> Let's just not have some Karas and some Karos and some uh, whatevers. Let's have one pronunciation. And and the same goes for any other characters that appear. If his name is Hank Henshaw, then no one should say Hank Henshaw. No one should ever say his name any differently. That, Luther, that throws me out. Thor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're coming from. Let's hope there's some consistency in that department. 
Now, uh, and, and talking about the series, it, it is moving on. Um, series uh, episode two is being filmed as you and I are recording this, or has, has been filmed as you and I are recording this. We've seen some uh, behind the scenes video, which I loved, uh, of the filming. Uh, we've seen some behind the scenes photos of her lifting up an ambulance on one end, and uh, then we, you know, of uh, Melissa in between takes, drinking coffee, taking her dog for a walk, playing on her phone, whatever she might be doing. Uh, but just Melissa herself has won over so many people uh, just in her, not just her portrayal of the character, but the way she talks about it in interviews, the behind the scenes stuff. She seems to be so, having so much fun. She seems to be loving and relishing the role. Uh, and she seems to, in that video we saw for the special screening of the 400 mothers and daughters that she attended and was a special guest and appeared there for a Q and A and sign autographs and have photos with people. She just seems to be loving the whole idea of being Supergirl and being around other people and, and being a role model and being a, f a positive female role model at that. Uh, I just, I'm really warm. I mean, I was, I was never uh, cold to her, but I'm really warming to her as one of my favorite TV people at the moment. Yeah. You know, and part of it, I'm sure is that she's, you know, she's not a superstar. She hasn't yet been thrown into the limelight. And mm -hmm. this is one of those things that, that, you know, she is the show. It's called Supergirl. She is Supergirl. She's playing an iconic character. She's carrying the name of uh, something legendary. She's wearing the symbol. She gets to fly around and be the star. She gets to be the role model to these girls that she talked about at the screening. And and uh, so it should be exciting. And it makes sense, you know, whereas uh, maybe the thing with Jesse Eisenberg is more like, you know, I've been in lots of movies, and I consider myself an actor. I don't particularly care about Lex Luthor in terms of his place in iconic status. I care about him as a character that I'm going to portray in as realistic and cool a way as I can. But, uh, he, you know, he's kind of been around the block. So his time for being super excited about being involved might be over. Whereas with Melissa, it's all fresh-faced excitement it's all like this is the first time i'm here and i'm playing such a big role and it's my show and i'm the star and i could see all of that kind of mm. being exciting yeah, for you for sure. and she is young and not super young but i mean in her 20s early 20s whatever and and just being very excited and and just i mean this i, I just as a guy who still wants to be in shows myself i i could feel i could imagine how exciting it must be uh, to be this character and to mm. be in this show and, and just so and it's great to see her uh, it'll be interesting to see you know years from now if the show's a success, a success how it goes on uh, when people ask her you know uh, what do you think and that kind of thing if she gets that kind of I don't know if it's jaded or if it's just an actor wanting to stretch view where they start saying things like well I wouldn't want to play Supergirl for very long or mm. I want to get out of here soon or I, I, I want to stretch and, and play other characters or I wouldn't want to do superheroes again or that kind of thing mm, Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes but as of right now obviously she's a, she's very excited and, and, and it's very nice to see a positive kind of excited uh, happy person uh, behind the scenes even though you know, sometimes they have 10 and 12 and 16 hour days, but she seems to be upbeat and, and just having a great time with the whole thing. I wanted to mention one other thing before we move on from this television discussion of Supergirl. 
Um, the executive producer who was interviewed at Comic-Con, I've talked about a couple times. I, I, I don't know his name right now, but he was dressed pretty much as Clark Kent. He had Clark <laughs> Kent glasses on. He had, a, he had his hair parted the way Clark Kent does, and he had a curl on his forehead while he was wearing the Supergirl symbol shirt. Andrew uh, Kreisberg. Uh, the Andrew Kreisberg, there you go. Uh, mentioned that someone asked him uh, if, if he thought it was good that so many people already know, and it doesn't seem like there's going to be that, oh, you missed the fact that Superman was just here kind of thing. Mm. And he just said that it was so much easier from a writing standpoint that that was the least interesting thing that they talked about when they were writing and that they just didn't want to do that. And to me, I just thought that sounded lazy. Like, well, it was just easy for us. That way we didn't have to write around that. And sometimes it does get a little cheesy with coming up with excuses or why you weren't here or how come you always run off when Superman's about to come. Mm. But it just sounded like a lazy statement to say it just seems so much easier for us not to have that. You know, when I mentioned mm. it before, how cool is it that everybody already knows? On the other hand, is it just will they know because it's just easier for the writers for them not to have to pretend that she's not Supergirl? Mm. I mean, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I guess that will we'll we'll see how that plays at, in the actual TV show itself. Um, it can come across as sounding lazy, but uh, it may just be the best way for the show to move forward. Right. That's a yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I understand that. I just yeah. thought it sounded. No, like I know what you're saying. Now the show does premiere on Monday, October 26, at 8:30 p.m. on CBS in the US uh, before moving into its regular 8 p.m. Monday time slot. Uh, so looking forward to that in the next couple of months and uh, hopefully we get an announcement here in Australia as to which TV network will be picking up the Supergirl TV show here. I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, let's move into comic book discussions. And again, from San Diego Comic-Con, we had a number of announcements. There was a Superman panel that DC Comics held that uh, talked about the main books, but also announced a number of special um, limited edition, not limited edition, but limited series, uh, miniseries that are coming up, limited issue miniseries, uh, one of them being uh, a Lois and Clark book, uh, Superman, Lois and Clark, it's called. It will uh, tell the story a couple of years down the track of the Lois and Clark that we saw in Convergence, Obviously, the era of uh, recent Superman comics, not too long ago, where Lois and Superman or Lois and Clark were married. Um, In this uh, iteration, they've had a baby. And this is uh, where the child is now, I think, nine years old, I think they said in the the description. And he's finding out about who his parents really are. And um, this is one of those convergence stories that I guess that we thought and wondered whether or not there would be some kind of ramification, some kind of pickup after the Convergence uh, event concluded. And here we know that um, it will be written, or, uh, yeah, it will be written by Dan Jurgen. So that's uh, an, a positive. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Uh, I, there's so many books, and when Convergence was going on, there were so many crossovers and so many different time eras and, and things that I can't remember. And it seems kind of stupid, like, for me, not to remember because I think it was a main plot of the book, but I somehow don't remember that their world was destroyed. When I read the description of this series, it's like, well, on the new world that they're on, are they going to be able to stop the same fate that awaited their world from happening to this world? And how do they fit in in this world and that kind of thing? I didn't... I I I think at the end of Convergence, wasn't it that every world exists in, like, that they were all now um, a multi-multiverse, as... um, 
Grant Morrison is calling it, that they all do exist in some kind of format, but that no world actually ended up dying uh, because uh, Telos uh, and Brainiac and all that kind of thing that happened um, decided that no world would actually die, and so they all exist in some way off someone's imagination, if you like. Yeah, I think that sounds more what I remember, but in the synopsis for this book, it, it says in, in their in the new world that they've come to, will they be able to save it from the same fate that befell their old world? And I didn't, I don't know if that's a new uh, spin that's happening in this story that we haven't found out about yet, but the synopsis makes it sound like whatever world was that they came from is now gone, and now they're on a new world, and they're hoping to save it from the same fate, which confused me because I didn't think that that, mm. that had happened. But. Yeah, I know where, you, where you're coming from, but uh, I guess we'll wait and see what the explanation there is at the beginning of this, and that will be on sale October 14th. Um, it's written by Dan Jurgens with art by Lee Weeks, and is one of the um, new comics that are coming out. There will also be a Convergence uh, or a Telos um, comic book that uh, will tell the story about that particular character coming out of the Convergence event. But one of the other big announcements was that the comic book titled Superman American Alien. Now, this particular book will... Oh, was it Alien? What was it, was it called? American Alien? Superman? Yeah, American Alien. Um, now, I'm just trying to quickly find the details. The book is going to be written by Max Landis, the very controversial Max Landis, who uh, has had a number of things to say about Superman on certain videos that kind of... Uh, well, put a lot of noses out of joint when it came to some of the things he said about the death of Superman and Superman himself. Uh, but uh, one of the interesting comments that he made at Comic-Con was he said, uh, I've wanted to write a Superman comic my entire life, and I'm surprised that DC is letting me write the one I wanted to write. He describes uh, American Alien as the anti-all-star Superman. The, that connected with everything that was mythic and bright, and I couldn't compete with that, he says. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not that surprising based on the things he's done and said in the past in regards to Superman that he feels like the bright, optimistic side of Superman is something that he couldn't kind of connect with. You know, for those who don't know, he he made the kind of mock-up of the death of Superman little movie thing with Elijah Wood, and uh, and and he was very negative toward that whole idea, and said that uh, uh, the, no the death of Superman, the death and return of Superman, kind of ruined the idea of death in comics, and now everybody comes back, and death doesn't mean anything, and that sort of thing, um, and and now he's he's writing a book, and 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 my thought on it was, does he even like the character of Superman? <laughs> Um, so it's kind of interesting for me to, to see that he's going to be writing a book about a character that it doesn't really seem like he likes. Although I do remember when people were asking him about that little mockumentary he made, um, he did say, no, I love Superman. I've always loved Superman, but I just thought it was funny. And, you know, uh, sometimes comedy comes from, uh, you know, being a fan of something. You mm. are able to see the funny in it. And therefore, you know, uh, I've, I've heard that Weird Al, uh, for instance, is a fan of all of the songs that he mocks in, in his parody songs. Mm -hmm. Because he likes them, he wants to kind of do another version of them where it's kind of funny or whatever. So I guess I can see it from that point of view, too. If he is a big fan, 
that he would, the only kind of outlet that was available to him at the time, write his own types of things about it and say his own types of things. And now he's getting to write a book in which he says it's the story of of how, the kind of stories Clark might tell you if you were on a bar stool next to him and he was just talking about things, mm. uh, which could be interesting. Yeah, so we'll wait and see what happens with these uh, uh, limited edition miniseries that are coming out uh, from these particular writers uh, or books that are outside the main comic books. Uh, obviously, action comics, Superman, Batman, Superman, Superman, Wonder Woman will still continue to go on. And uh, But these are some other uh, titles, uh, as well as the Neil Adams, uh, The Coming of the Superman, a six-issue miniseries that he's been talking about and spruiking about for quite a while now. That comes out in December, um, and he says that will feature all of Jack Kirby's characters fighting Superman, beginning with Kalabak. So we look forward to that. I was beginning to think that the whole Neil Adams thing that he's been talking about for a while was never going to happen, but obviously these things take time. And we'll see the first issue of that coming out in December. And now it's coming. So uh, that'll be exciting. But now we should talk about uh, actual current comics. Let's do that. Uh, We start with Superman number 41, which was released late last month. And we didn't get a chance to speak about it because of the fact that it came out after our recording of our podcast. And in this comic book, we see uh, Clark Kent or Superman and Jimmy Olsen uh, going off to uh, investigate... um, this, uh, well, I guess we call it an arms deal, if you like, where this big 3D printer thing is um, is being, uh, well, attempted to be sold to these generals and, and uh, uh, military forces. And, um, you know, this Senator Norville is supplying uh, high-tech weapons to gangs and, and foreign militants. Um, again, I'm not a big fan of the artwork, but uh, your thoughts on Gene Lu and Yang's first issue? Well, what I find interesting and what I've been noticing more and more with the Superman book is I find that like with Grant Morrison, uh, there was a kind of a a feel to what he was doing. And he had said at the beginning, you know, the book is called Action, so it's going to be about action. There's not going to be a whole lot of long word bubbles where there's conversations. Mm -hmm. I find in the Superman book now, uh, it seems to be reversed. Superman now is... A lot of action and a lot of panels where nobody says anything. So you can go through five or six pages where it's just showing him throw a punch. It's like a, it's like a punch, and then there's like yeah, and uh, or or when when the when the flare is building up, it's mm. like uh, one whole line of a panel of it being thin, and then a panel of it a little thicker, and then a panel. It's like a whole page, and then the next page is the flare going off, and it's a whole page of that. So it's very – there's not a whole lot of writing going on, but I guess the story moves along a little bit slowly. I, I found it interesting and I think, if I'm remembering correctly, I – in my – my what I took from it was it looks to me like this, uh, this thing that's going on uh, is obviously going to have something to do with how he – maybe gets his powers back as time comes. You know, uh, we're, we're going to talk about Batman Superman 22, and in that we see a sun or something, and that almost seems like that's your MacGuffin right there. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the same thing. This story was pretty good. It was cool how they kind of went in to this, you know, we, we got to see Clark Kent as Clark Kent, you know, as a reporter, and, yeah. and Jimmy Olsen being with him taking pictures mm. and, 
that doesn't seem to happen a lot anymore. So it was kind of neat to see that go on. And of course, they left us with another book where Clark Kent is DOA or something at the end. And I'm still annoyed that we haven't yet seen what happened in that jungle where they stabbed him to death and he has no powers and he's laying there. That story that was in the Batman Superman annual still hasn't been picked up anywhere. And it doesn't seem to be a part of any part of this story that's going on right now. And that was that was right as he lost his powers because he still didn't get them back from after he used the flare last. And so I don't know what that is, but we have two books now ending with uh, people thinking Clark Kent is going to be dead. And, and I'm, 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 I imagine with the late release of Superman 42, we'll see Clark back in action pretty quickly because otherwise there's not much of a story to continue on. They're in a car driving away, so he's got to wake up or something. Uh, but I'm still interested to see what happened at the end of that other story. Mm, yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see if that's ever picked up. Then we move on to Action Comics number 42, which came out at the beginning of July. And in this, we uh, continue on with the um, Kentville, if you like, the street where Clark Kent lived in his apartment and the people who lived in that apartment and lived in that street celebrating the fact that Superman lived amongst them and being very pro-Superman. But their street party is being invaded, if you like, by this very strong police force who are like a riot squad and uh, there seems to be a very negative backlash towards Superman, who in the meantime is battling this, uh, I guess, a shadow creature of some kind. And um, there was a bit of controversy surrounding this comic book and its reflection, if you like, of some of the things that have been happening in the United States itself. Well, yeah, I mean, listen... I think the best stories and the most dramatic stories um, and the most the stories that hit the strongest are the ones that you feel like could be torn from a page of the news. You know, mm. um, Law and Order did it for uh, what I don't know, eighty eight years as it was on television. <laughs> Every episode, uh, and people always talked about how it was drawn from the headlines. Uh, this is a Superman book. It's about a guy who used to be able to fly and now can't fly anymore. So it's still very fantastical it's still very fictional but yeah there is some some of that police brutality feeling some of that um you know you're not allowed to protest even in a quiet happy way because uh, uh we're a police state and 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 uh you know but on the other hand that being said when action was relaunched in the new 52 they kind of went back to that idea that superman was a was a protector of the oppressed and and somebody who would stand for the for the for the little man who couldn't stand for himself he didn't always have to be fighting outer space Invaders that were super strong that could blow things up. He could also be uh, a, a, a man who fought fought for social justice. So th I felt that when I was reading this mm -hmm. more than I felt like it was necessarily a remark on what's going on. But certainly it's influenced by the kinds of things that do happen. And and generally, as cynical as I often sound, and I've had some fans of the podcast or fans of the vidcast. Uh, mentioned that they would like to see me be more positive because Superman's a positive character and, and Superman, you know, shouldn't always be talked about negatively. I, I never feel like I talk about Superman, the character negatively, but I do often feel negatively toward the way he is portrayed. But I will say this, this story I love. I am a huge fan of what's going on here. 
if you don't think about the ramifications of how they're going to get out of this in terms of him getting his powers back and in terms of the whole world knowing that Clark Kent is Superman, I personally can't see a way that they're going to revert back to normal. Uh, it seems almost like in this era we're just going to have a Superman that everybody knew was once Clark Kent. But forgetting about all that, this story was – I was teary-eyed and almost had tears coming down my face reading this story. It was very emotional. It was very inspirational. It was very Superman to me. And I have not been the the – I have not been particularly excited or impressed with the Superman books for quite some time, uh, although I do love the Superman, Wonder Woman, and the Batman Superman in general, art-wise and writing-wise. But the general direction of the books and the general storylines, you know, Jeff Johns was was big hype. It was exciting. He was going to be writing a story, and I thought that story fell flat. Uh, the Doom story I thought was kind of weak. Uh, the The Hell story I thought was kind of weak. But this story... Even though they're changing Superman and they've taken his powers away and a lot of people are complaining that they've ruined Lois and that they've made her a, a bitch or whatever, this story was so inspirational that when he was standing up for them and when he was saying, um, you know, and when he flew, you know, he can't fly anymore, but when he ran by and took their clubs away and when he had the chain and when he was standing up with them, I was very emotionally touched and and and, and moved. And that's a comic book. And I just felt... I felt very good about this story. And this uh, Birmingham, te- Birmingham, what's his name? Binghamton character, this police officer who's the, I guess, the focal point of this attack and seems to have a real uh, bee in his bonnet about Superman, uh, eggs him on and, and, and really um, finds his, I guess, his, his, presses his buttons to, to the point where uh, Clark or Superman is unable to stand by and, and you know, not react anymore and uh, the last panel is him uh giving this uh this character a big punch to the face and i guess that's uh the reaction he wanted because the next story is the fall of clark kent which uh we imagine will be the ramifications of superman punching a police officer well listen i would think that there would be ramifications for the police officer uh inviting his officers to act in the manner yeah, with which oh, he wants sure. them to act in this case so I think there's going to be two sides, much like the Batman v Superman movie that that's coming out. You're going to have people that say this man is trying to protect little children on the street. You know, they show a panel where what seems to get Clark to make that decision is that they're going to use tear gas on this child who's yeah. in the street and he's going to get hurt. And there are people here that are just trying to live and that are supportive of Superman but don't necessarily deserve to be tear gassed or hit with batons or mm. whatever it is. So – uh, Superman is just being Superman, and um, this again is 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 proof to me, even though I didn't need proof, shows that Superman, as in Frank Miller's story, would never be a pansy for the government. He is a protector of the people. Now he works with the government on a lot of occasions when they are uh, working to protect their people, which is what a government is made for. A government is there to make sure we have what we need and to take care of roads and to make sure that we have safety and that sort of thing. But it's not there to, you know, keep us down or beat us when it, we, we say something that, 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 gov- that the government doesn't like. And in, in that regard, Superman is never, would never be. And that's the biggest reason why I have a problem with the Dark Knight Returns. 
is because they just don't get the idea of who Superman is. Superman is a person who protects people and a person who cares most about making sure those people are taken care of and would not suddenly say, okay, I'll do whatever you say because you're the government. So I just love that we see that here and I think that the the, the writer in this case gets it uh, and, and I'm just very happy with, uh, I think, and I've said this before, uh, when people get upset about a change to the status quo, it's because they feel like Superman is being changed. And he is in this case. I don't think it's permanent, but Superman's a guy who wears tights and flies around and can lift planets. And when you take all that away, he's not Superman anymore. And I disagree. I've heard so many times people say Superman's not a thug who has a crew cut and wears bloody pieces of his cape on his hands and rides a motorcycle. Superman's not a guy who punches people in the face and thinks it feels good. Superman's not a guy who um, wears jeans and walks around in a t-shirt. And I feel like all of those statements are untrue. Superman is an inspirational guy who protects people and continues to do whatever he has to do, even when it seems like everything is against him. And even when it seems like he's going to go down in the fight, he continues to fight on for the people and he continues to do what he knows needs to be done and what the right thing is to do. And that's what you get in Action Comics number 42. And even if you don't like the idea that he doesn't have his powers, and even if you don't like the idea that everyone knows he's Clark Kent, this is who Clark is, and this is who Superman is, and that's why it was received so well by me. Mm, well said. I like I like the way you put that. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I, I like this story. I, don't, I might not, as other reviewers have said on the Superman homepage, I might not like the idea of the story they're telling, but I like the way the story is being told. Agreed. All right, then we move on to Batman Superman number 22, which you alluded to a little bit earlier. And in this one, we see Superman meeting the new Batman for the first time. And I guess it's no secret uh, to admit that the person in the suit is Commissioner Gordon. And um, there's a bit of, uh, you know, Superman realizes that it's not Bruce Wayne in the suit because just the way he's acting and the way he's, uh, you know, he's not... uh, reacting in, in a certain way, doesn't have the plans and the and the mentality that the Batman he knows does. But he's willing to try to work with this Batman for the greater good and to come to a solution for the problem that they're facing and in Gotham. And um, it's an interesting story about how the two, you know, the relationship between these two uh, at odds. Obviously, this is not the Superman that, he, he, uh, that uh, people remember, and this is definitely not the Batman that is Bruce Wayne, but nevertheless, uh, this Superman and Batman need to work together uh, for the greater good. I also really enjoyed this story, and as I mentioned to you before, I feel like that sun is going to have something to do with him getting his powers back. We all know Superman is powered by the sun and and, and that he normally has these enormous stores of energy uh, in his cells that give him his superpowers. And right now, for some reason, they're kind of wonky, and and it seems to have something to do with the flare, which I also think is going to go away after he gets his powers back. But... um, it seems to me that this is a MacGuffin. This is a way to say, well, we can undo everything, kind of like the Green Crystal in Superman 2. Um, but that being said, I think it's kind of a cool way to do it 
but it's a little bit convenient that, uh, mm. oh, yes, our scientists discovered this sun that can give you your powers back. Not that that's happened yet, uh, but it, that's what it seems like they're leading to, and mm-hmm. everybody's kind of wondering how he's going to come back to normal. Now, it could just be that his body's out of whack right now, and he'll heal, and it'll become normal again. But that seems like a good way to do it, uh, just not not particularly realistic in terms of, well, we all of a sudden have this sun that happens to have the ability to possibly power you back up again. But no one has mentioned that yet. Uh, um, you know, Lucius Fox doesn't say that. In fact, he doesn't want to cooperate with Superman at all. And here's where my problem lies with the story, even though I enjoyed it. James Gordon has to know who Superman is. Superman has been working with Batman for at least five years at this point in the new 52 continuity. And Superman's a good guy. So even if there are people who feel like they're tired of cleaning up his messes like in the last story, and I could see from that point of view he's going about it the wrong way, throwing tear gas at children and that sort of thing. But I could see him being upset that their men have to put their lives at risk because Superman has a battle with a supervillain down the street and then everything's a mess when he leaves. But but in this case – Gordon knows him personally. I don't read Batman books, but he's again, he's worked together with Batman for so long now. For Gordon to kind of act that way just seems like an unusual choice. And I know you said it's a different Superman than people have known, but you know what he looks like. Uh, although I guess you could make the argument that when people see Clark with his glasses on, they don't know that it's Superman. And this is more Clark-looking Superman with a Superman T-shirt on. So... If he's not wearing the uniform, he's clearly not Superman, so maybe Gordon doesn't trust him. But it seems off that Gordon would act that way. But the thing I liked most about this story, and a lot like Action Comics number 42, at one point I think the writer here gets the characters of Superman and Batman better than a lot of other writers that I've read before. And it's about – it's like two pages from the end where – Clark goes down to the subterranea to chase after the guy who thinks they started a war with him mm-hmm. because Gordon made the mistake of attacking him when Superman was trying to tell him the truth about the situation. And that is when he says, you can't, Gordon says, you can't go down there. You're, you're, you're weak. You're just a man. You have no powers. You're not Superman. And, Bat- and Superman says, and you're clearly no Batman. Mm. I think that that was that little panel, it was a sideways diagonal panel in the middle of the book, in the middle of the page, says more about the relationship between Superman and Batman and who these two characters are than any Batman v Superman, than any other book, than any than any other Dark Knight Returns, Frank Miller situation. These two guys are friends who know each other intimately, who respect each other immensely, and who fight for justice and continue to do the right thing even when the odds are stacked against them and 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 Gordon saying you can't you can't you can't you can and I'm going to stay up here I, although I feel like Gordon's going to go after him because that's the heroic thing to do and that's probably what's going to happen in the book and Superman saying you're definitely no Batman you may think I'm no Superman but I'm going cuz this has to be done and you screwed it up is just so right in terms of mm. how Superman should be and how Superman feels about how Batman would be and, and knowing that, aside from the fact that Gordon doesn't have the movements down or doesn't have the ideas down or can't move fast because he's in a big robotic suit, that why Clark knows that that isn't Bruce Wayne in the suit 
it, it speaks volumes there, just the way the two characters act. Yeah, no, it does uh, lend itself to uh, looking into the um, relationship between the two characters in a lot more depth than it actually just shows on the surface. But yeah, I like the way that uh, Clark was portrayed at the end there, leaping to action, even though he is not powered up to his uh, full strength, but he knows that he has to make things right and it's his job to do it and um, you know doesn't really think twice about doing that where uh, Gordon does. So, or What's uh, strange about it too is in the page before, when it happens, Clark is there going, no, don't do that. But 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 the guy still says, now what you've done, I'm going to come back and destroy your world. It's almost like, and I know they did it for drama, but a lot of times on a TV show, someone will whisper in a room to somebody else, and, and you know that the person who's not supposed to hear it is walking down the hallway. and mm. They don't hear the whole thing, but they go, but I'll tell you about it later. And then they walk in the room and go, what are you going to tell him about later? And then it's like, <laughs> da-da, you know. Um, in this case... The guy should have heard Clark say, don't do that, and, and therefore he should have known that it wasn't Clark's idea to attack him from behind mm. and then go start a war. But, of course, just blinded need, by the, rage. need the drama, and the story has to go on. But. Yeah. All right, now we move on to the next comic book that we're going to talk about, again, involved in the Truth arc, and this is Superman Wonder Woman number 19. And uh, in this story... We have these villains uh, all gunning for Superman, wanting to be the ones, the Suicide Squad, to uh, to take out Superman now that he's depowered and, and doesn't have as much strength as he used to. But uh, one woman is sticking by her man and uh, is fighting alongside him, um, not willing to allow the villains to uh, to have their way. And uh, it says a lot about their relationship. I know Wonder Woman's changed just as Superman has changed, but their relationship seems to be uh, remain strong. And I know there's been a lot, a lot of controversy surrounding this particular title, especially in the comments under Michael Bailey's reviews on the Superman homepage. There seems to be people who just can't let go of uh, having to insert uh, Lois Lane into every conversation that happens about the Superman Wonder Woman book, yet uh, it seems to always take over the, the, the discussions. Yet uh, there are many people, me included, who are happy just to in, uh, investigate uh, and look into this Superman-Wonder Woman relationship and see how it plays out, uh, regardless of what's happened previously in other relationships in other continuities. Listen, uh, I, I, I'm totally in agreement with you. I mean, I, it's the same thing with the, the, the arc in general, the truth arc, the idea that he's lost his powers and that the whole world knows there is a problem that lies in how they're going to solve this, how they're going to make it so that the world doesn't know anymore. And as I said earlier, maybe they can't. It may just be something they've done and now they can't put the cat back in the bag and everyone's always going to know. Uh, but the fact that it's happening. The fact that he's lost his powers, the fact that he has to fight more uh, street battles with his fists and protect people on the street and has a very low power ability at this point, in terms of not liking the idea, it, for me, has always just been another day in the life. It's another adventure. It's another story. It's another situation that Clark slash Superman has to get through. I don't see what is different about this than any other story arc where uh, Doomed is happening or he's going to turn into Doomsday for a while or they're going to go back to Krypton and they're going to travel through time and Hell's going to be there or uh, the death of Superman, the return of... All of this stuff is storylines that happen 
in comics. It's another story. It's another situation, another drama. Another, I mean, if things didn't happen, it would just be, oh, hi, Lois. Hi, Clark. The end. I mean, it's a story. It has to have drama. It has to have things that happen. And it's another big event in Superman's life. And obviously, it may be one of the biggest that's ever happened because the whole world knows who he is. And he's not completely powerless, but he's has a very low power ability at this moment. But and again, maybe you don't like the story or the idea of the story. I'm not exactly sure why you, it would be any different than any other story. And it's clear that I don't like Lois yelling at him in the one book uh, and hanging up on him. Because if you can't understand why he would be a little irked by what happened, uh, you're kind of just being self-righteous and assuming that everything you do is the right choice. But we have heard from the beginning that both Diana and Lois Lane, for some reason, came to the decision that this had to be done. So we as fans and as readers know that at some point there's going to be an explanation as to why this happened. In the meantime, it's a story and a drama that is going on in his life, you know, the go, the continuing adventures of Superman. So this is just another one of those stories. And the love story between Superman and Wonder Woman is just another angle to go at. And since the book was relaunched, that doesn't mean that there will never be a Superman-Lois Lane relationship. It just means that one of the relationships he has had in his life and the current one that's going on now is one with Wonder Woman. And to me, it makes complete sense. They're kind of on the same sides of the way things should be done. They have a very much close belief system in the same moral values and they are the same type of hero and uh they're really the only two people on the earth that would match physically so it makes total sense and it's cool to explore and i like the idea of it and yes people are upset because for their whole lives and even before that it was lois lane and superman it wasn't somebody else and superman it wasn't lois lane and some guy in his underwear at her door when clark comes so okay we're a little annoyed by that we want it to be lois and superman but we can't always get what we want every single minute and sometimes our heroes have different adventures that are very uh, hurtful to us and very dramatic to us and very stressful because we don't know how it's going to go and i think Maybe that's one of the best kinds of stories because if everything's always status quo and everything always stays the same, then you know everything is safe and you know everything's always going to be the way you always wanted it to be and you never have anything to worry about. It's kind of like the executive producer of Supergirl said, we kind of wanted to have a, a, a story where you didn't know what was going to affect her and you weren't sure how it was going to come out because it's not all that interesting if you always know your hero is going to win. Even though we kind of do if we're watching it, you know, they're not going to end the show with Supergirl dying forever, but – we know that that's going to happen eventually, but since she's young and since she hasn't come into her own, there may be a point where it looks like she might fail. I think that's kind of what has to go on in every comic book and every comic book show and every movie. And a lot of them are very predictable because you know they're not going to fail. But in this case, we're not exactly sure how this is going to go. And we're not exactly sure whether he's going to get uh, the normal relationship going with Lois Lane. So it's a little stressful to see whatever is happening here. But I try to enjoy when I'm reading what I can, and as I said, I haven't loved a lot of the direction of what the books are doing, but the Superman-Wonder Woman relationship itself isn't a problem for me. That doesn't mean that it isn't that it has to be not a problem for everybody else, but it just seems to me that it's that there are certain things that people have odd responses to when, for the entirety of Superman's existence in stories, dramatic changes have happened to him 
that are part of his storyline. So I'm not I'm not completely in understanding why these particular storylines are such a sticking point hmm. for people. Yeah, I mean, it's just one particular story set. It doesn't nullify any stories that happened before. It doesn't nullify the Superman-Lois relationship that you've read about before. It's just this, just this different version that they're exploring. And I'm open to them exploring it, just like I'm open to them exploring a world where Superman is known to be Clark Kent. And let's see how that pans out and what that means for a story. It doesn't mean that they're never going to be together again, or it doesn't mean there will never be a story that's ever told again where Clark Kent has a secret identity as Superman. It just means that this story that they're telling is different. Uh, so you don't have to like it. No one's saying you have to like it. But it doesn't mean that you can't allow other people to like it or to try to read it or to do enjoy it. Uh, and that seems to be uh, what a lot of people are having problems with, that some people could be enjoying the Superman-Wonder Woman relationship. Uh, I just don't understand why that seems to be the case. I like it. I think it's very touching. I think it, it makes sense to me. And I think mm. it's clear that they both respect each other greatly and that they could have a love together. I, I, it's not Lois Lane. Okay. Well, you know, I get that. You know, it's, it's, it reminds me of, of, of everybody going on about the, the Man of Steel movie. And every time they always make a comparison or they always criticize it, it always comes out, well, Christopher Reeve was my Superman and that's it. Well, yeah. I get it. I I love the Christopher Reeve movies too, but uh, that era is over, and it was 30 years ago, or however long it's been, and we got to move on. Unfortunately, Christopher Reeve can't do it anymore. So uh, we have a new Superman, and and okay, you may not like him as much, but a lot of people seem tainted going in before they even see the movie. And I understand a lot of people's criticisms with the movie. Things bothered me about it too. But if you go in kind of with the idea that no one's ever going to match Donner and Christopher Reeve, then you're kind of hurting yourself already because you expect not to like it as much as things you've liked before. And that may be the case. Maybe you don't like it as much as things you've liked before. But things can never be exactly what they were before, especially when real people are concerned because people get old, people die, things happen and we need to – unless we're never going to see another Superman movie – you know, we have to move. And the same thing happens with Tom Welling. Tom Welling should have been Superman. It keeps being brought up. <laughs> I get that. Okay. But well, he's not. So can't we try to enjoy what we have now? And listen, people will say, you complain every week on your great Scott. Well, who are you to tell us not to complain? And I do. Uh, so it's completely normal for you to complain. What's What's unfortunate for you as a viewer is if you close your mind off because you're expecting – to feel exactly as it felt when you were a child or when you were young or when you saw a different interpretation, that's going to hurt your own enjoyment of what's coming later. Um, in this particular book, since we kind of got off the track, it, for some reason, I don't know if you felt the same way in the book before it too, when they were setting up Suicide Squad, I, for some reason in my mind, I thought the guy behind the microphone was Lex Luthor. Then they show that it's some guy I never saw before. And I was reading it, and I actually stopped reading and said out loud, well, I didn't expect it to be that guy. I don't know who that guy is. But then when he goes to the White House at the end, does that mean that the guy that was on the other end of the microphone was the president? Because I never saw that president before. The last time I saw the president portrayed, it was a guy that kind of looked like Obama. Mm. Uh, yeah, this I guy don't... doesn't look like that. So I don't know. Is it the president pulling the strings with Waller? or who? Because why does he go there? Clark goes there at the end to for some reason. Him, yeah. So he seems to think that the president 
is behind is involved somehow. Yeah. And that's got to be some kind of a crime, right? Knocking out two Secret Service agents and just walking into the <laughs> You'd think so. And maybe it's the next issue that will reveal who the, the voice is that, we're, that is the narrator. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm at a bit of a loss like you. Hmm. So we'll wait and see uh, how that pans out. Um, the I will say for me, this truth arc has been the first real hit that has kind of got me excited because I'm... I'm I don't, don't like how everything's out of order. I don't like yeah, how yeah, everything yeah. is disjointed. Greg Pak said it's kind of exciting how we have a, a Pulp Fiction thing kind of going on where it's jumping back and forth and you don't know where a story begins or where it ends and you're in the middle and you're in the end and you're here and you're there. I, I don't, don't think it. it's so much interesting as it is Confusing. they haven't been able to get their cards in a row yeah. and this is just the way books are releasing and it's unfortunate. And I find it confusing and I got stories that haven't ended yet and stories that are in the middle and... We were we we were with Superman with no powers before we even read the story where he lost his powers, mm. and now they're saying, well, this next six issues or four issues is going to be a backstory of how it happened. Usually, stories don't go that way, and I know Pulp Fiction was touted by many to be this great innovative way of telling a movie because it didn't tell it from the beginning; it told it from the middle or the end, or it jumped around. Uh, but it's just not working as far as because you read part three before you read part one, and then you're and now they're doing the backstory. Okay, but it's not as much interesting as it is confusing, at least for me. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but I do love the tr- I do. I am really enjoying the truth arc. I like the mystery. I like trying to figure out or or try and wonder why it was done. I, I hope they continue to drop little hints. I hope they don't just reveal it all in one line Mm -hmm. Uh, hopefully little pieces come out and things and i'm i i like the struggle because to see your hero struggle and still overcome is what makes a a a fun really exciting inspirational story and and a lot of times people say superman's too overpowered so it can't be interesting and while i disagree with that in this case that's that clearly can't be the case because he's very depowered but it's still nice to see that he still wants to fight the good fight, even though he knows he could be killed at any moment. And what I what I what I thought was funny, even from the very beginning of this issue, even with a, a depowered Superman, I saw the motley crew that they sent after them, and I said, you know, if 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 this was Marvel or if this was, you know, another type of situation, uh, this Suicide Squad would no longer exist because they're only still alive because they fought Superman and Wonder Woman because. Mm. I mean, it was just so easy. I mean, there was no point where I ever thought in this Suicide Squad could really take them out. I mean, I thought maybe with Superman, because I wasn't sure how invulnerable he still was. Mm-hmm. And he did look like he was in, it, we would probably have been in a lot of pain. I mean, his whole body was purple Bruised, from, yeah. those, from those bullet holes. But uh, they didn't go through his skin. But like Wonder Woman, with one fell swoop, should have been able to take that whole group out. And it did, it did seem to think, even though it was quick, it did seem to take a little extra long, but I think that's because these two hold back. Mm. Superman may not have a choice but to hold back now because his punches don't hurt as much. But if Wonder Woman punched Harlequin as hard as she could in that shot where she's punching her, I just think Harlequin's head would just be on the move, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Harlequin doesn't have superpowers no. unless I am wrong. I mean, she's just a person, yep. right? Yep, you're right. So I don't know what danger Harlequin is to Superman and Wonder Woman, but... She's just crazy send her, being there. Send her out against them because she can wrap her legs around their neck. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, I, yeah, I thought it was funny because uh, it just seemed 
odd that this group would think they could take out Superman when he's hanging with Wonder Woman. Well, I guess that's the problem. A lot of people don't know what Superman's power levels are, and so they're all kind of testing themselves to see if they can be the one to take him down. But uh, it, it's a it's a fun to explore. I'm not sure I'm, I'm um, invested in the mystery of it as much as you are, and uh, the disjointedness of the titles being at different timelines is a bit confusing. But um, I'll run with it for the time being and see where it, where it goes and how it uh, how it uh, is told and how it connects later. You know, if on. I were those villains, I probably would wait until he's like approaching the White House and he's completely by himself, <laughs> rather than go. Oh well, he's with Wonder Woman, the second most let's powerful go in now. On the planet right now. Let's attack. Yeah. All right. Let's move into the big questions segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. Uh, the big question was, did you attend the Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois? And if so, what did you like best about it? If not, why not? Uh, Hector wrote in, uh, he did not. Uh, no, I had to work, but I'll be making a trip to Metropolis in August, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, um, don't forget you can go. Uh, while the Superman celebration is in the second on the second weekend of June every year, um, the, the city is open all year round, and the Super Museum and... The statue is there, and the Metropolis Chamber of Commerce always has some merchandise, so uh, you can drop in for a photo opportunity at any time, but uh, obviously the Superman celebration is what we're asking about this time around. And uh, Patrick O'Neill, our great sponsor, says, I attended the Superman celebration for the fifth time this year and had a great time. As far as what I like best, I always enjoy the Superman Jeopardy and Stump the Superman, the expert games. And the Super Museum is incredible, but I have to say my favourite part is just being able to hang out with and meet new people who have the same love and passion of the Superman character that I do. You make friendships that last a lifetime, and every year is like a reunion. Love the show, Steve and Scotty. Well, thank you, Patrick. We appreciate your continued support, and I have to agree with you 100%. That's the best thing I like about the Superman celebration each year is the reunion feel of it and getting to meet and be with friends and make lifelong friends that just... You just click with straight away. You just have the same kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, feelings towards the character. You just seem to be the same type of people. You just really click with other people who are at the celebration. Yeah, it's 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 really you know really great. I mean, I have a lot of friends who love superheroes in general, uh, but then, but as far as liking Superman, you get kind of a mixed bag. You know, some people think. Uh, he's too overpowered. Some people mm. never got it. Some people like him just fine, but like other heroes too. I mean, I like all superhero movies and things, but Superman being number one for me, it's always nice to be in a group of people who feel the same way. Yeah. And in this case, you'd never have to have the argument who would win Batman <laughs> or Superman. Just know intrinsically that everyone there is going to think that Superman should be the winner of every battle with every other hero. And that's one of the things that bothers people who aren't fans because you. Uh, they go, well, you just think Superman's better at everything. And you kind of go, well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I, I love that, too. And uh, thanks, uh, Patrick, for, for loving the show and, and being a supporter and and, uh, and uh, being one of our two responders this month. Yeah, we didn't get a lot of responses to that question. Let's, uh, let's get some more next month, hopefully. Uh, send in an audio response or send in a written response or whatever. But just, just respond. Uh, get involved. The new question, of course, is what do you like best about the Superman v uh, Batman? Uh, let's put it that way. The <laughs> Superman v Batman Dawn of Justice Comic-Con trailer. And what's your least favorite thing about the trailer? Yeah, I mean, obviously there are people who like things and don't like things. Uh, equally, so let's hear your positive and negative responses to the Comic Con trailer. Let us know your thoughts to this big question. 
by using the big question feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or as Scotty said, you can send in an audio answer and send that to us. Uh, you'll find the big question button at the Radio KAL webpage. What I didn't like and what I also did like, same thing, I'm going to say, uh, you know how they show uh, from from Bruce Wayne's point of view, Zod's heat vision mm -hmm. going throughout the building and mm -hmm. destroying it, and then he gets all pissed off at Superman because it was a Wayne Tower building? Well, if you remember Man of Steel, that building was empty. They ran into it. They did some fighting in there. There was nobody on any floor. And then the building, I guess, apparently fell apart. So so was Bruce Wayne just pissed off because he destroyed an empty building? Or well, do we know that that was the thing on it? Or? Do we know that building in particular was the one that got destroyed? Uh, that was the Well, the I mean, building? from the point of view that they show, it's the one that Zod... You know, Zod's heat through. vision just came on and he didn't know how to control it and his head yeah. was going around yeah. and the beam was going throughout the building. Um, Could have been the so building next door that was destroyed being the, the Wayne Tower. I mean, I don't know which one Yeah, was I guess. Because, yeah, the heat vision did come out the windows, so yeah. it probably would have hit other things. As and, it was, you know, even, it's funny, I'm on radio here and I'm <laughs> waving my arms around, pointing, <laughs> pointing heat vision at different buildings right now. No one can see me, but I'm doing it. Yeah, the heat vision was coming out here and then coming out over there, and it was hitting a building over there. Uh, we should yeah, do a video so, version. Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> All right, uh, so that's the big question segment. Get involved, and we'll have those read out in our next podcast. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! All right, it's time for the comedy sketch. What did you pick out for us this time around, Steve? Well, we've got a, a command performance from November 10th, 1946, starring Bob Hope and Bella Lugosi, uh, two fine Hollywood actors. And it's a long performance, so we've broken it up into three parts, and we're about to play for you part one. And I believe these command performances were uh, done in front of the soldiers... Um, you know, uh, who are abroad, who, um, um, you know, are fighting for the country and these, you know, com comedians go over and, and put on shows for them or if they're returned servicemen, they put on shows for them, all those kinds of things. I'm not exactly sure where this was performed, but it was in 1946 and, as I say, it stars Bob Hope and Bella Lugosi. <coughs> USA, the greatest entertainers in America, as requested by you, the men and women in the United States Armed Forces throughout the world. Command performance presented this week and every week till you're home from the hospitals and back from over there. Tonight we depart from our customary procedure on command performance and forsake comedy to dwell upon literature. From one of the great classics of the day, we present a mighty dramatization featuring stirring adventure, tender love, and the triumph of right over might. And what is the greatest example of classic literature of today? Superman. Tonight's cast includes the mad scientist, Dr. Bikini, portrayed by Bella Lugosi.
His insane assistant professor at all, played by Sterling Holloway. The city editor, played by Wendell Niles. Oh, that's me. <laughs> and the King Sisters, played by the King Sisters. Or Superman's girlfriend, the beautiful girl reporter of the Daily Planet, Lois Lane. Who else could we get but that five-star final, that banner headline, that extra edition, Paulette Goddard? And now, for the man who is the champion of the oppressed, guardian of the fundamental rights of the people, man of a thousand steel muscles. Hey, what's that up there in the sky? It's a bird. It's a plane. Oh, it is not. It's Bob Hope. at the headquarters of Bob Hope, who's really Clark Kent, who's really Superman. There's tension in the air. Everyone is waiting for a big story to break. Then suddenly, there's a loud cry from Clark Kent. Stop the presses! Stop the presses! Stop them! Kent, what's breaking? My foot is caught in page six. <laughs> Say, I must be big news. My big toe got a two-page spread. <laughs> oh, Kent. Forget it, Chief. Look. I got some great news items for you. Let's see. Can't you want to ruin me? This item is from the Daily Bugle. Well, this one's from the Bugle. You stole this one from the Bugle. Oh, what's going to happen to the Daily Planet? I don't know. What's it say in the Bugle? <laughs> oh, you and you. Better not lose your temper. I just got an offer from the Bugle. <laughs> I got an offer from the Bugle. You I did? Think. Yes. They say if I kindly step outside, they'll beat my head on the pavement. <laughs> Kent, you're absolutely useless. On top of that, you're never around when I need you. Something happened today? Yeah, over at the auditorium, the policeman's show was going great guns till Bob Hope made a surprise appearance. Children screamed, women fainted, and 6,000 people were trampled in a mad rush for the exits. And where, may I ask, were you? I was home, listening to Red Skelton. <laughs> Kent, you're just not a reporter. Why can't you learn to stick your nose into other people's business? But I'm not that type. I just can't peek in other people's lives. It's rude, it's impolite, it's childish, and besides, they keep pulling down the shades. <laughs> Kent, as of now, you're transferred to the circulation department. Circulation department, yes, sir. Well, don't just stand there. Rub my legs. <laughs> How'd you get a laugh like that? <laughs> you must have a relative still in the service, huh? <laughs> well, <laughs> never mind. Get out of my office. Yes, sir. Oh, the chief gets so mad. <laughs> As plain Clark Kent, I have to pretend I'm a fool and a weakling. With Superman, I can drop the pretense. I'm a fine reporter with my super sensitive hearing. 
I can hear everything with my x-ray eyes. I can see everything. I can see through stone walls. Mm. <laughs> Don't get ahead of me. That's not the finish. <laughs> I can see through stone walls. Guess I'll drop by the YWCA again today. Clark Kent, I'm ashamed of you. I heard the chief ball you out. Uh, Clark, why don't you stand up for your rights? Where's your spine? Where's your courage? Where's your backbone? Sorry, madam, but a boxer forever yours for your noble tie. <laughs> you see, fellas, she thinks I'm a weakling, but I'm really Superman. I can even get bread. <laughs> but I'm really not a weakling, Lois. I just don't care about girls. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, please, Clark, put that ferret back in your pocket and listen to me. <laughs> Are you a man or are you a mouse? Put out the studio cat and I'll tell you. <laughs> Lois, don't put me off any longer. Go out with me tonight. I'm busy. Tomorrow night. I'm busy. The next night. I'm busy. Busy, busy, busy. What are you, a girl or a party line? <laughs> Lois, I'm going to prove to you once and for all that I'm a man. You are? Yes, look at this. My birth certificate. <laughs> About uh, six o'clock. Time for my vitamins. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. I'll mm. open the box for you. <laughs> well, what are all those pills? Well, this one's for calcium. <laughs> this one's for protein. This one's for iron. Well, what's this one for? That's for me. <laughs> Fourth one always pays off. Oh, Clark, you weakling. Listen, Lois, stop belittling me. What's wrong with my shoulders, my chest, my biceps? Nothing, Clark, nothing. But you keep leaving them in your other suit. <laughs> Again. Hey, just got a tip on the big news story. What do you got, a secret tunnel there? What is that? <laughs> What'd you say, Chief? <laughs> I said I just got a big tip on a news story. Well, I'm ready to go, Chief. No grass will grow under me. This telegram says it'll break any minute. No grass under me. It'll take... <laughs> it'll take courage. Can you make it, Miss Lane? <laughs> While she's gone, I'll pluck out those dandelions. <laughs> Can't get over that guy hitting the jackpot so early. Chief. Chief, why not send me? Can you cut this thing all right, huh? Chief, why not send me? You still mad at me? Can't I fire you if I didn't get such a kick out of filing papers on your nose? <laughs> You're not too secure, you know. <laughs> well, if you must, you can go along with her. You can hold her pencil. Gee, thanks. No doubt on the way you'll get yourself in trouble. You'll probably get killed. Gosh, Chief, thanks for the chance. <laughs> Let's go. Oh, 
Well, there you have it. That was part one. Part two will be played in our next podcast, and uh, that'll be part two of three. So looking forward to the next two parts. That's a very cool. It's like a little snip of history. Yeah. Uh, I love those kinds of things. It's very neat. Only one thing alive but less than four legs can hear this frequency and that's you. And uh, as we move on to the super secret soundbite, last month's sound came from the Young Justice episode from season one. Episode five, entitled Schooled. We have six people that guessed it correctly. Who were they, Steve? They were Jeremy Crawford, Fred Walsh, David Huang, Patrick O'Neill, Donovan Hunter, and Dylan Fortin. So congratulations to those six people for guessing where that sound came from. Let's hear it again just to remind you where the sound, what the sound was, and you'll probably be able to remember it being from that Young Justice episode. Sorry, super boy. Duty calls. So that was the sound. So well done again to those six people. Let's see if they can guess, and more people can guess, where in the world of Superman this new super secret soundbite comes from. Hi, nice to meet you. I'm Jimmy. I work as a copy boy, but I'm really a photographer. Well, what do you think? Did you know where that sound came from? If you do, you can use the super secret soundbite entry form to send your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out here on Radio KAL in our next podcast. All right, it's time for the Superman song, which, uh, oddly enough, is titled Superman. It's by Storm and Her Dirty Mouth from the 1998 (laughs) album titled Storm and Her Dirty Mouth. Funny that. uh, It's self-titled album, Storm and Her Dirty Mouth. And here is the song from that 1998 album, Superman.
just a little girl We're only human after That is our song, and that is our show. A pretty lengthy one today. Had a lot to talk about in a longer month. So uh, we're uh, grateful for you guys for listening in to this podcast and to every podcast. Now, don't forget that there is a way for you to get involved with the show, even if it's just a suggestion. You can uh, let us know about a topic you think we need to be talking about, if there's a song you'd like to request, if there's a comedy sketch that you'd like to let us know about that we can play down the track. A uh, big question you want us to pose to the fans. Any of those kinds of ideas, anything about our show that you want to let us know about, you can uh, use the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage to send your uh, suggestions in. Alternatively, you can email us. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com or you can email Scotty. His email address is scotty at supermanhomepage.com. And as I said, we'll try to use those suggestions in a future podcast. But for now, that is our July show. Thank you, Scotty. Thank you, Steve. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And always remember, if you entitle your song Superman, there's a pretty good chance you'll hear it on Radio KAL. Thank you again for listening. This is the Radio KAL podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com and our generous supporter, Patrick O'Neill.